All right, well, we're there in uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 18. Tonight, we're not going to deal with the entire chapter. We're going to go about halfway, and we'll uh, deal with the second part of this chapter next week. But uh, this, this chapter, we've been... Uh, we spent several weeks uh, leading up to basically this chapter because we've been talking a lot about Absalom and the rebellion against David. And honestly, there's been a lot of lessons that we've learned about, uh, you know, about David kind of dealing with the, 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 the circumstances that his sin has brought forth and, and kind of watching him retreat. And this, this chapter kind of changes in the sense that we see David succeed for a little bit. You know, he's going to win a great victory against Absalom in this chapter. You know, we've been seeing a lot of defeat. And, you know, life is like that. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You know, sometimes things go well and sometimes they don't. Sometimes Wednesday night church is full and sometimes it's empty, you know. Sometimes your finances are good and sometimes they're bad. And, and it's just, that's the way it goes. And you've got to learn to deal with the highs and with the lows. And here we have a high that is kind of a low for David. And, and we'll, we'll look at that. But I want to just give you from this chapter uh, five suggestions uh, that we see in this chapter for success. See, David was in a position where he had to win. This was not, you know, it would not have been okay for him to retreat again. This battle had to have been won. And see, in your life and in my life, there are some times when we can retreat, sometimes we can fall back, but there are some times and there are some battles that must be won. We have to succeed. There, Absalom has to die. Absalom needs to be defeated. Absalom needs to be done away with. And if we were to sit here and ask you, if we were to take the mic off the pulpit here and pass it around, and we asked you what are the battles, what are the wars, what are the fights in your lives that you cannot afford to lose, you might come up with your own list. You know, for me, uh, it's Verity Baptist Church. Verity Baptist Church has to succeed. Uh, Verity Baptist Church is not, it's not an option. I, I, I don't take the church as whether, you know, uh, you know, it can come or it can go, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we're going to continue on for God. Now, that might look different in different ways, and that might look different from time to time and from year to year and from season to season, but, you know, this is not an option. We're not going to win. We're not going to lose. We're not going to quit. This is a battle that needs to be won. Some of you are married. You need to win that battle. Your, your marriage cannot be a battle that, well, you know, I'll take it or I'll leave it, or maybe it'll work out well and maybe it won't. No, you need to win that battle. You're raising children. You've got to win that battle. You've got to make sure those kids grow up and are raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That is not a battle that you can look at and say, well, I'll take it and I'll leave it. We'll see how it goes. That battle needs to be won. Maybe you're uh, running a business. That's how you support yourself and your family. You've got to win that battle. You understand what I'm saying? There are areas in your life that you can, there are sometimes we say, well, let's try this and see how it goes and maybe it works out and maybe it doesn't. But there are some battles, there are some fights, there are some times where there is no choice but to win. Failure is not an option. You've got to win that battle. And David was here in his life, in his ministry, in his kingdom. This was a battle he had to win. And there's a couple of things we can uh, learn, some suggestions I'd like to give you 
for success in whatever battle you find yourself in that you need to win tonight. I'd like you to write these statements down. If you don't have a baby on your lap, maybe you can uh, write these things down on the back of your sermon notes there. 2 Samuel 18. Look down at verse number 1 before I give you point number 1. 2 Samuel 18 and verse 1, the Bible says this, And David numbered the people that were with him, and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. And David sent forth. Notice what he does. So he numbered the people, and then he set captains. He, he divided them into groups. He said, the Bible says he set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds. And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab and a third part under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Ittai, the Gittite. And the king said unto the people, I will surely go forth with you myself also, now keep your place there in 2 Samuel 18 and go with me to 1 Kings chapter number 10. Just one book over from 2 Samuel to 1 Kings. And let me say this, number, uh, number one tonight, uh, when it comes to victory, when it comes to success, you have to be organized. You need to be properly organized. If you're going to succeed and whatever that battle happens to be for you, I don't know what that battle is. Maybe I named it tonight. Maybe I didn't. But there are some battles and there are some fights and there are some things that you've got to win that you cannot afford to lose. Uh, uh, Absalom must be defeated. And in those areas, you need to get properly organized. I like David here. He, he, he's, he's won before. He's succeeded before. He's led many armies and many uh, men into battle. And the first thing he does is he gets organized. He numbered the people. He sent captains, uh, some over hundreds and some over thousands. He put the third part with Joab, the third part with Abishai, the third part with Ittai, the Gittai. I like that. You know, Ittai is only, if you remember, Ittai had only been with him one day before Absalom took over. But, you know, I think David just looked down at a man that was loyal and said, I don't care how long you've been here. You're loyal. I can use you. You know, and, and, and let me tell you something. In whatever area you need to succeed, you need to get properly organized. First Corinthians chapter 10. I'm sorry, First Kings chapter 10. Look at verse 4. Notice what the Bible says about Solomon's kingdom. Solomon was probably the most successful king. The most successful, you know, his era was the most successful kingdom that the children of Israel ever had. And here's what the Bible says. About him, 1 Kings chapter 10, look at verse 4. And when the queen of Sheba, remember queen, the queen of Sheba came to, to test him, to try him, to see if the things that were said of him were true. And when the queen of Sheba uh, had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table, notice what she's impressed with. She's impressed with his wisdom. We, we get that. I mean, I think we'd all be impressed with his wisdom. But it says, in verse 4, it says, uh, she had seen all of Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built. But notice what else she's impressed with. And the meat of his table. She's impressed with the food that's on the table to feed him and his company. And the sitting of his servants. She's impressed with how, how the servants sit and where they sit and, and how they take care. Look, notice, and the attendance of his ministers. She's impressed with how well-trained they are, how they know what they're supposed to do and who they should attend to and who they should minister and their apparel. He, she's impressed with how they're dressed. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he put ushers' coats on his ushers. I'm not sure. But she's impressed that they were dressed properly and dressed right. And she's impressed with his cupbearers and with his ascent by which he went up unto the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land that, uh, uh, of thy acts and of thy wisdom. I will 
albeit I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame which I heard. Notice verse 8. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. She came and she was impressed with his wisdom. She came and she was impressed with the house he built. But you know what? She also came and she was impressed with how organized he was and how organized his men were and how organized, how, how well things ran. One of the biggest compliments we get at Verity Baptist Church is not about Pastor Jimenez. I know that's a shocker, right? It's not about my wonderful orator skills. It's not about, uh, you know, one of the biggest compliments we get around here is how well this church runs and, and how things run so smoothly and how it's a, a well-old machine. It's interesting. We've actually been criticized that we're too organized at Verity Baptist Church, that run, things run a little too well, you know, and people want to go to church that's a little more disorganized. I think it makes them feel better about being disorganized. But listen to me. If you want to succeed in whatever area and whatever battle you have to win, you better get organized. Whether it's business, whether it's ministry, whether it's your soul winning presentation, whether it's your Bible reading, whether it's your prayer time, ladies, whether it's homeschooling your children, whatever area you have to win in, you're going to win if you get properly organized. The old saying is true. When you prepare to fail, you are, you are, uh, uh, you're, when you fail to prepare, excuse me, you are preparing to fail. And look, today, you know, I'm always amazed at the homeschool moms who say, ah, you know, I'm just going to wing it with my children. When are you starting school? I don't know. What, what curriculum are you using? Ah. What, when, you, when, when does school start? You know, when we get up. When does it end? When is lunch? When is break? And it's just kind of like, ah, whatever. Hey, you, you got to win that battle. Those kids got to get raised. They got to be educated. You got to make sure they're ready uh, for, for life and to provide for their families. As adults, you got to get organized. You know, people, people talk about, oh, let's, let's, uh, let's go out soul winning, and people just want to wing their soul winning. And it's kind of like, well, you know, you got a plan? What verse are you going to go to? How are you going to explain it? What illustration are you going to Well, I don't know. I just kind of wing it. Hey, we're talking about the souls of men. Amen. They're going to spend eternity in heaven or hell, and it may have to do with how well you present the gospel. Why don't you sit down and get a plan? Why don't you sit down and get organized? You say, why, why are you guys so, you know, somebody was saying, you got, Pastor Jimenez runs that church like a military. Well, I don't think that's true, number one. But you know what? Church is serious business. We're dealing with the souls of men. We're dealing with the preaching of the Word of God. We're dealing with, when we take the offering, we're dealing with the tithes and offerings that God's people have worked hard uh, to earn, and they're giving it back to the Lord. Yes, we need to do it organized. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. And in your business, and in your life, and in whatever it is that you need to win, you need to get organized. David saw a battle that he said, I cannot afford to lose. And he says, I will prepare. He says, I will get organized. He said, I, you know what? I need, I need to read my Bible, so I'm going to get a Bible reading chart. I'm going to develop a plan. I need to develop my prayer life, so I'm going to get a plan. I'm going to get a prayer list. I'm going to get organized. I'm going to write it down. I'm just telling you, whatever area it is, maybe it's your marriage, you need to schedule a date night. You need to schedule time to spend with your wife, time to spend with your husband. You can't look. Things don't just get built by mistake. Things are built when people sit back and plan and prepare and organize. You don't just build a house. You don't just wake up one day and say, look, honey, I just accidentally built a house today. 
Now, the government, I mean, the government's not well organized, but, you know, nobody kind of gets up and says, oh, you know, we just all kind of got together. We didn't really know what we were doing. And then guess what? We built the Golden Gate Bridge. That's not how it works, folks. You want to build something? Better get a plan. You want to do something great? You want to succeed? If you've got a battle that you cannot afford to lose, you better get organized. You better make sure you got a plan. There's some people in our church, you're struggling with drugs or you're struggling with alcohol, and you need to get that victory. And it's not just going to happen with you winging it. You better have a plan. You better get organized. You better decide what's going to happen. How's it going to happen? Where are these men going to go? See, David needed to succeed. And you know what he did? He got properly organized. Number two, go back to 2 Samuel 18. Look at verse 2. Not only was David properly organized in order to succeed, I'm giving you suggestions for success. Not only was David properly organized, but I want you to notice he was also open for suggestions. He was open to the suggestions of his men. Notice verse 2 there. And David sent forth the third part of the people under the hand of Joab, and a third part under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Hittai, the Gittite. And the king said unto the people, notice what he says, I will surely go forth with you myself also. He says, I'm going to go and fight with you also. I'm going to go into battle with you. But notice what the people said in verse 3. But the people answered, Thou shalt not go forth. For if we flee away, they will not care for us. Neither if half of us die, will they care for us. But now thou art worth 10,000 of us. Therefore now it is better that thou succor us out of the city. And the king said unto them, What seemeth you best, I will do. You know, notice David wasn't the type of leader that said, Don't talk back to me. I've already made my, I don't need, I outrank you. No, you know what? David said, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And then the people said, But David, you know, have you considered this? Have you thought of this? What about this? And maybe you should do this. And you know what? One of the reasons that David was so successful is because he wasn't so filled with pride that he could not receive instruction, that he couldn't listen to somebody's suggestion. Some of you are going to fail in certain areas that you can't afford to fail in, like child rearing, like your finances, like your health, like your marriage, because you're not willing to take advice from anybody because you think you got it all figured out. Because you think, look, David is the commander-in-chief. He is the leader. He is the one that killed Goliath. He's been doing this for a long time. And he says, here's what we're going to do. And when his men said, but what about this? He says, you know what? What seemeth you good? He said, what seemeth you best, I will do. Go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter number 9. You're there in Psalm, if you're there in Second Samuel, if you find the book of Psalms, Psalms right in the center of the Bible, right after Psalm, you got the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 9. Look at verse 7. Proverbs 9 and verse 7. Proverbs 9 and verse number 7. While you turn there, you don't, you don't have to uh, turn to this passage, but let me read for you out of 2 Samuel 25. And I always think of this, man, whenever I think of people who aren't willing to receive instruction. 2 Samuel 25 and verse 10 says, And Nabal, remember Nabal from a long, a long time ago in David's life? Nabal answered David's servant. Remember David's servants came to ask Nabal for help and for, for, for grace? And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse, 
There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. And the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were uh, conversant with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall unto us. And in verse 17, the Bible says this, Now therefore, know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. I always love that phrase. For he is such a son of Belial that I cannot, that a man cannot speak to him. One time I had to go uh, talk to, have a meeting with someone. I don't even remember who it was or what it was about. It was a fairly serious meeting. I had to go meet with someone. And I came home and my wife says, uh, how'd it go? And I said, he, that guy is such a son of Belial. But I said, that guy is such a son of, and I said, B. And she said, honey, don't. You know, she thought I was going to say something else. I said, no, 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 son of Belial that a man can't speak to him. You know, and she's like, yeah, I thought you were so mad. You're going to start uh, cussing or something there. You know, but, you know, honestly, it's, it's, I've met, you've met people like that. You can't talk to them. You can't approach them. Some of you, that's the type of mom or that's the type of dad you are to your children. Some of you, that's the type of wife or type of husband you are to your spouse. Well, you are such a son of Belial, at least you act like what? No one can approach you. No one can correct you. No one can say, have you considered this? See, one of the reasons that David was so uh, successful in life is because he was open to suggestions. He didn't have to have all of the answers. Are you there in Proverbs 9, Luke verse 7? He that reproveth a scorner. The word reprove means to correct. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. He that rebuketh a, wi- a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. See, if you're wise, you'll increase in learning when someone gives you instruction. If you're a scorner, and when you're rebuked, you won't receive it, you won't accept it, and you'll fail at life. Proverbs 5, look at verse 11. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 11. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, notice Proverbs 5, 12. And say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. See, if you want to succeed in life, especially in that area that you cannot afford to lose, you have to be open to suggestions. You have to get properly Organize. I always think it's funny. People, you know, they're like, I had all these uh, problems, Pastor. I need financial help. And I'm like, hey, you know what? You need to get organized. You need to write a budget. You need to get on a spending plan. And they're like, I can't do that. Well, then you're going to lose. Then you're going you're gonna to end up ba- bankrupt. You're going to lose that house. You're going to lose that tr- car. You're going to lose whatever. You know, you have to get organized. You have to be open to suggestions if you want to win, if you want to succeed. Go back to 2 Samuel 18. Let me give you the third one. 2 Samuel 18. Look at verse 4. 
2 Samuel 18 and verse 4. And the king said unto them, And the king said unto them, What seemeth you best I will do? And the king stood by the gate side, and all the people came out by hundreds and by thousands. But the people answered, Thou shalt not go forth, for if we flee away, they will not care for us. Neither if half of us die, will they care for us. But now thou art worth, notice what they said about David. Thou art worth 10,000 of us. Therefore now, it is better that thou succor. The word, that word means to provide aid or help. That thou help or provide for us out of the city. See, let me give you the third suggestion for success. I said, number one, you need to properly get organized. I said, number two, you need to be open for, uh, to suggestions. But number three, you need to develop your own skills. You need to develop your own skills. Let me, let me give you some advice for uh, uh, being successful at work. Get the training. Get the certificates. Get there early and stay late. Find the person that's most you know, knowledgeable and get around them and ask them questions and figure out and learn the most you can and make yourself worth 10,000 of the other guys. When you increase your skills and you increase your ability, say they, they said, David, if half of us die, that won't hurt us as much as if you die. They said, you would be better help staying back in the city. Because you've got so much knowledge and you've got so much understanding and you've gone through this so much. And listen to me, if you want to succeed in life, you better become an expert at whatever God's called you to be. If I was a wife, I'd make sure I knew every scripture in the Bible that has to do with how to be a good wife. As a husband, I would encourage you to find every verse in the Bible that has to do with being a good husband. you got children, you might want to start reading every verse in the Bible you can find about rearing children. In business, read. Read and learn how to expand. Develop your skills. Look, if you want to succeed, develop your own skills. As a pastor, I want to succeed. You know, something I I try to do, and I don't do it as often as I should, but something I try to do is I I go back and listen to my own sermons. I know. That's really difficult, you know. It's really hard to hear yourself preach. You know, it's like, oh, is that really what I sound like? In my mind, I have such a deep voice, you know. (laughs) In my own mind, I found so, so great, you know, and then you listen to yourself and you're like, what? But you know what? You have, I tell these guys, you want to get better at preaching? Listen to yourself preach. Watch yourself preach. No one will be a worse critic of you than you. You know, develop your own skills. Become the best worker. See, here's, here's, let me explain them to you. When you're the boss, be open to suggestions. When you're the worker, no one wants to hear your suggestions. The boss doesn't want to hear you. Well, at my last job, we used to, he doesn't care. Well, when I, he doesn't, it doesn't matter. Well, I think we should, look, just tell the boss, I'll do however you want. Let me learn how you want me to do it and make yourself valuable. You know, at, at church, develop your skills. Sometimes people come to me, they're like, I want to do something. And I'm like, what, well, what can you do? And they're like, nothing. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> if you don't know how to do anything, what am I going to use you for? Develop your skills. You learn how to preach well. Hey, I'll let you preach. But, you know, every time we got a men's preaching night, you're like, ah, I don't want to preach. Every time someone tells you on Saturday morning, hey, you want to preach on Saturday morning? Ah. You think I'm going to come to you and say, will you preach for me? My wife's going into labor. Will you preach for me on Sunday morning to 170 people? I can't get you to preach for 10 minutes on Saturday. Why would I ask you to do anything else? I'm just trying to help. I'm just saying, develop your own skills. Get better at it. You know, read the Bible, memorize scripture, become good, and make sure you are a valuable asset in whatever area it is that you've got to win. 
And whether it's being a mom or being a pastor or being a husband or being a business owner or being an employee, become the best one you can be. Develop your own skills. and your own. See, they said about David, they said, you are worth 10,000 of us, and they knew that he would help them. It is better that thou succor us out of the city. It's better that you are our aid, that you are our help. And by the way, as, as leaders, if you're a leader in whatever area you're a leader in, make sure you're, you're the best. Make, you know, at, at Verity Baptist Church, we have a lot of people here that know a lot of Bible. We have a lot of people here that know a lot of doctrine. We have a lot of people here that, that know a lot of, you know, are, are godly people. And you know, what that does for me is that that puts a little bit of pressure on me that these people aren't just going to show up for some, you know, for the gospel presentation every Sunday morning. Some people come up to me and they're like, man, you know, it's interesting. I never saw that in that passage. It's interesting. You know, yeah, I work really hard to try to stay, stay on top of my game. And you ought to try to stay on top of your game in whatever area that is. Look, if, if I was going to be a, a warrior, I'd try to be the best warrior I could. If I'm going to be a pastor, I'm going to try to be the best pastor I could. In whatever area you need to succeed, develop your own skills. Be a lifelong learner. If you, look, read the Bible. Read other books. Whatever, whatever you do, whatever business you're in, whatever, however you make money, grow in that area. Learn in that area. Develop your skills in that area. That's what successful people do. You know, everyone that gets a raise and you're just like, why don't I get the raise? And why don't I get the promotion? I bet you they're reading something. They're developing something. I mean, maybe they're reading how to win friends and influence people, but at least they're developing their people skills. Some, some of you could do that, develop your people skills. Some of you got a whole lot of talent. I can't use you because you're a jerk. Because you don't know how to talk to people. Because you don't have a filter in your mouth and everything that comes in here goes out here and you offend people. And every time you have a conversation with someone, I got to go and, and you know, uh, take that fire out. You, you want to go in ministry? You want to be a pastor? You want to be a pastor's wife? You better learn how to smile and how to be kind and how to listen to people and how to not do all the talking and how to be interested in people and how to love people and how to genuinely care for people. You say, Pastor, why are you? I'm just trying to help you be successful. Develop your own skills. Whatever area that is, whatever, whatever that means for you, whatever war or battle you need to win, learn to develop your own skills. 2 Samuel 18, look at verse number 5. 2 Samuel 18, verse 5. Now, we've seen so far things that David did well. We're going to see here something that he did not do well, and he ended up winning anyway by the grace of God, but he could have done this better. We said, number one, suggestions for success, get properly organized. Suggestions for success, be open to suggestions. Success, uh, suggestions for success, develop your own skills. Number four, have a clear objective. Have a clear objective. Notice verse 5, 2 Samuel 18, verse 5. And the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Ittai, saying, notice what he says, deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. David, go, they're getting ready to go fight Absalom. And he gets all his captains together and all the soldiers together. And he says in front of all of them, hey, I know we're going to go beat Absalom. I know we're going to go defeat Absalom. But do me a favor, deal gently with Absalom. Look, if you're going to win, you need to have clear objectives. It causes confusion when you don't know who you're fighting. 
And there's confusion here within the ranks. Look at verse 6. So the people went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was in the wood of Ephraim. And when the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David, and there was uh, there a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men, for the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country. And the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick bow of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak. Remember Absalom had that long, pretty hair? Well, that long, pretty hair, you know, did him a disservice. There's a reason why when you go into the military, the first thing you do is shave your head. <laughs> you don't want to go into battle with a bunch of pretty locks on your head, especially when you're a man. The Bible says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. But his head gets caught in the woods here, and he was taken up between heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. And a certain man, notice the confusion, a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. And Joab said unto the man that told him, And behold, thou sawest him, and why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? And I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. He says, You saw our enemy hanging from a tree. Why didn't you kill him? Notice verse 12. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our hearing, the king changed thee, uh, charged thee and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise, I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life. For there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself would have set thyself against me. He's, and you know that's true about Joab. He's, he's such a son of Belial. You know. he, he's, uh, he's such a guy that's just out for himself. You know, he's like, yeah, right, Joab, if I would have killed him, you'd have been the first one in line to go tell David I killed him. And you would have set yourself against me. But notice there's confusion. You know, what do we do with Absalom? I thought we were here to fight him. But the king wants us to deal gently with him. How do I gently kill him? You know, like, I'm confused. And here's the thing. And you say, well, that's kind of a silly, silly story there. But you know what? I've noticed with so many people the reason that they fail at life is because they don't have a clear objective. I mean, people, people come to me like, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm struggling with alcohol. And I'm like, okay, the last six times you got drunk, where did it happen? Well, it happened at this bar. It happened when I went over to this friend's house. It, ha- they all, all, it always happened on Friday night. So I'll be like, okay, well, look, then just stop hanging out with so-and-so. It seems like every time you get drunk, every time you get high, every time you do something you got to do, it's with this one individual. Well, you don't understand. That's my good friend. I work with them. And you don't get, and I, you know, I'm like, hey, you, you want to, do you want to win the battle or do you want to keep Absalom alive? You, you're struggling with your finances? Let's get organized. Let's get a budget. Let's cut up that credit card. Let's quit going to Starbucks so much. Let's quit. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I mean, I got, look, do you want to keep Absalom alive or do you want to win the battle? Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, today we got this like people say, I want to lose weight, but I don't want to exercise. I don't want to eat properly. I want to take a magic pill that just makes me slim. You're trying to win a battle without killing Absalom. You're not going to succeed. You're going to be confused. Is this the day I eat the Sunday or not? I don't know. I see that Sunday hanging from that tree. Should I eat it or not? I'm not sure. So look, you've got to have a clear objective when you're going into battle. You need to know who the enemy is. This is what's wrong with the independent fundamental Baptist movement today. They want to preach righteousness. They want to preach holiness. But they don't want to call out the homos. They don't want to call out the false preachers. They, they say, let's win the battle. But let's not hurt Absalom. Let's not hurt him. Let's be gentle with him. You're not going to win that way. If you're going to succeed, you must have clear 
objectives. And listen to me. The battle that David is, is seeing here today is not that uncommon. In fact, I think it's probably the most common. You know, the, the people that Satan always has you fight, and the people that will fight you the fiercest are your own family. You know why? Because you're not going to attack your own family hard. You're going to be tempted to say, let's go into battle, but you deal gently with them. And listen to me. When you have to choose between your family and God, you better learn to choose God every time. Leviticus chapter 10, go, go there, Leviticus chapter 10, let me give you an example of this. Leviticus chapter 10, Leviticus chapter 10, you better decide that you are closer to the people that are close to God than simply because they've got the same, they share the same blood you have. Amen. The Bible says there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And look, I'm all for being loyal to family. I'm thankful that my fam- my, my, all, all my family is basically here tonight and part of our church. And I'm thankful for that. And I love my family. I want to be loyal to them. And I want to help them. And I'm glad they've been loyal to me. But listen to me. We all better be more loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ than our family. And especially when it comes to public ministry, you better make sure you have your loyalty set straight. See, David was not the first man that was asked to fight against his own family. Or to go against his own family. In fact, there was a man in the Bible who was asked to do something very similar to this. And he did it very well. Are you there in Leviticus chapter 10? Look at verse 1. We're, we, we, got a, we got about 15 minutes. We're doing well. Leviticus chapter 10. Look at verse 1. And Nadab and Abihu. Remember those two guys? The sons of Aaron. Aaron's their dad. Okay. Just like David to the father of Absalom. He took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense therein. And offered strange fire before the Lord. They were not supposed to do that, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his uh, peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphon and the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said unto them, notice what he says, notice what Moses says, and keep in mind, Aaron is Moses' brother. This is his family too. And he says, come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them in their coats out of the camp. As Moses had said, so he says, Take the bodies out. God just killed our brethren. Take the bodies out. Look at verse 6. And Moses said unto Aaron, Dad, and unto Eleazar, brother, and unto Ithamar, his sons, brother. Notice what he says. Uncover not your heads, neither rend your clothes, lest you die. And lest wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, be well the the burning which the Lord hath kindled. And ye shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you, and they did according to the word of Moses. You see where it says there, the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you? Here's what he said. You are anointed as a priest. You hold public office. Uh, 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 you do a public ministry before the people. Your sons messed up. Your sons sinned against God. Your sons did the wrong thing. Don't you go mourning for them publicly. Do you understand what he just said? He said, don't go to the funeral. He said, don't cry. Don't weep. Here's what God was saying. If you have to choose between me and family, you choose me every time. That's what he said. And see, David messed up. 
when he did not publicly say, I love Absalom, but you know what? Absalom has sinned against God. He needs to die. David did not have clear objectives, but in your life and in my life, we better figure out that when our family puts us at odds with God, you better believe that you are supposed to choose God every single time. And you better be closer to the people that are close to God than someone, well, I, uh, well they're just my family. Hey, they, they may be your family. We want to love them and help them. But you choose God every time. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible teaches. Show me otherwise in the scripture. Let me give you another reference. Luke 14. I know we see this a lot around here, but let's look at it together. We're doing well, all right? We're, we're, we're going to finish on time. Luke 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 14. Look at verse 26. Luke 14 and verse 26. Luke 14 and verse 26. Luke 14 and verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters. Say, God wants us to hate our father and our mother and our wife and our children, our brethren, our sister. You know what? Yeah, that's what they're going to say. When you have to choose between you and your mom, or you and your dad, or you and your wife, or you and your husband, or you and your children, when you have to turn your back, Aaron, on your sons, Nadab and Abihu, people are going to say, Aaron's such a hateful man. Your wife's going to say, your husband's going to say, do you hate me? And God says, hey, you better, you better figure that out. And notice, it's not, just, it's not just your family. Look at the last part of verse 26. And his own life. If you don't learn to figure out how to hate your own life. Also, he, listen, listen. Some of you need to underline this in your Bible. He cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You say, I got to choose between my family and God. When you choose your family, you make the wrong choice every time. Every single time. God commands us to choose. See, you've got to have clear objectives. You need to be able to identify the enemy. And if the enemy is your son, then so be it. And if the enemy, you know, you can't fight a battle saying, we're going we're gonna to destroy Absalom, but keep him alive. That's why some of you, you're not winning your battles. Because you know there is a clear, there's a clear enemy that you're not, you want to keep him around. You want to keep that friend around. You want to keep that magazine around. You want to keep that website around. You want to keep those CDs around. You want to keep those clothes around. You want to keep those friends around. You're not willing to destroy Absalom, and that's why you're not going to win. And fortunately for David, someone took care of Absalom anyway. So we see the suggestions for success are to have clear objectives. Let me give you one last one. Look down at verse 14. Then said Joab, I like what Joab says here. He says, I may not tarry thus, because the guy just called him out, right? The guy just said, Joab, you, you know, you are, the biggest, you are the biggest son of Belial around here. You know, Joab, if, you, if I did that, you would have turned me in. You would have came against me. And, and he doesn't deny it. He's just like, I don't have time for this. Notice what, what he says. Look at verse 14. I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And ten young men that bear Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. I always thought it was interesting that ten men killed Absalom. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, David had said, don't hurt Absalom. Remember, the, the man that was talking to Joab said, if I would have killed him, you all would have turned against me. 
So Joab has 10 men kind of kill them together, just beat them together, so that really the blame can't be placed on any one individual. And if you want to punish them all, you got to punish all 10 of them and Joab. But it's interesting because wasn't, didn't Absalom defile 10 concubines? And it's interesting that God has 10 men come and take care of them. So, you know, we all reap what you... Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. But here, here, Absalom is put to death by Joab. Uh, notice verse uh, 15. And 10 young men that bear Joab's armor compassed him about and smote Absalom and slew him. Now, let me say this. Joab was correct in the sense that this was the right thing to do. Absalom had to die. But he was not right. He was correct, but he wasn't right. Because you know what? At the end of the day, David said, don't kill him. And, and you need to, when you are under the authority of someone, you need to just listen to what they say. Amen. You need to just follow. Well, I got a better idea. No, no, Joab. See, you need to just listen to what David said. He's your boss. He is your God-ordained leader. God placed him over you. If he's wrong, let God deal with them. You don't take matters into your own hands. Joab was correct. It was the correct thing to do, but he was not right because he's just usurping the authority. And by the way, this act gets Joab killed. So when Solomon becomes king, he's put to death basically because of what he does here and other times that he just takes matters into his own hands. Look at verse 16. And Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing after Israel, for Joab held back the people. So what's the last point? The last point is this. If you're going to have success, you need to have undisputed obedience. Your kids need to learn how to obey you, period. You understand that? I'm not saying kids don't disobey. Kids disobey all the time. My kids disobey all the time. But when they disobey, there need to be consequences. You cannot lead a church. You cannot lead a business. You cannot lead a marriage. You cannot lead a home where you've got followers just doing whatever they want. If you're going to succeed, you need to have, have undisputed obedience. And what that means is either you need to make sure you're getting obeyed as a leader or you need to make sure you're obeying as the follower. But the only way that success can happen, the only way that a military campaign is won is when there is a structure of leadership and people are following that leadership. And you know what? God is not against leadership. God gave us a government. God gave us a pastor. God gave you a husband. God gave you an employee. God gave you, and I understand sometimes those, those uh, leaders, those authorities will take, will, will do things that they're not supposed to do. And you know what? If they're asking you to sin, then we ought to obey God rather than men. If the, if, if the Antichrist is asking you to turn in your, you know, your saved neighbor, you know, then don't obey that. But, but if they're just asking you to do something, and it's not wrong, you say, well, it's not smart, but it's not wrong. You just do what you're told. You just follow the leadership that God has given you. David should have, Joab should have just brought Absalom to David and said, listen, here's Absalom. I think we should put him to death. And maybe talk to David about it. But he just usurps his authority. He takes control. He does what he wants. Look at verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 16, 16. And Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing after Israel. For Joab held back the people, and they took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid very great heaps of stones upon him. And all Israel fled, every one to his tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for himself a pillar, which is in the king's dale, for he said, I have no, no sons to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name, and it is called unto this day Absalom's place. I don't have anything I want to say about that. I, I just want to say something about verse 18 where he says, I have no son to keep my name. 
There's a reference uh, earlier in the book that uh, gives us names of, of, of sons and children that Absalom has. Um, you know, this is not a contradiction in Scripture. His sons either died before this or maybe they were just rebellious because he says, I have no sons to keep my name. Uh, but, you know, don't, don't run with these people that think they found contradictions in the Bible. Let me, let me give you one last thing and, and we'll, be, we'll be done. Look, down, look, 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 look up at verse number 8, 2 Samuel 18 and uh, verse 8. Suggestions for success tonight. Get properly organized. Be open to suggestions. Develop your own skills. Have clear objectives. Have undisputed obedience. But let me say this just by way of conclusion. Nobody wins unless God helps them. I'm talking about in life and spiritually. The only way you raise good kids for God is if God helps you. The only way you have a nice, good marriage, successful marriage, is if God helps you. Only way you build a, 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 a ministry that's growing and, and growing spiritually and reaching people is if God helps you. As a Christian, the only way you build a successful business is if God works on your side. And the only reason David won was because God helped him. The only reason he won, he had, you know, 600 men going against all of the men of the nation of Israel. Remember from Beersheba to Dan, they brought all of them out. You say, well, how did they win that battle? Look at verse 8. For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country. Notice what it says. They were in a real wooded place. And the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. I mean, do you understand what just the Bible says here? The trees killed more people than the soldiers killed. You say, what is that? Now, you know, it was a real wooded, it was a wooded area. And, and, it, and it was hard to maneuver through. You say, well, that was just the area they want. But here's the thing. All of the Absalom's men get killed by the woods. None of David's men do. You understand that? You say, well, how, how did that happen? Well, we're given the example, the main example, verse 9. And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under a thick bow of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heavens and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. I mean, Absalom's just riding his, you know, mule into battle. <laughs> and that tree just picks him up <laughs> and holds him there until someone kills him. You know, and, and God, you know, God worked on the other side. You know what? The only way that you and I, we've got to get involved, God involved in this thing. You need to make sure you're praying and asking God to help you. I need to make sure that we're praying and asking God to help us. The only way we win is if God is working on the other side. Aren't you thankful that we have a God that works on the other side? The unseen hand of God, the invisible hand of God. I love the story of Joseph because in the story of Joseph, you see Joseph going through all these trials and going through all these tribulations, being lied about and being uh, persecuted, and the entire time God is working on the other side. The invisible hand of God. David had no idea that those trees were messing people up, <laughs> but they were. They were helping him. The only way we succeed, the only way you raise children, the only way you have a good marriage, the only raise whatever that battle is, you've got to win. The only way you win it is if, is if God works on the other side. So make sure you involve God in this thing. Let's bow here tonight and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father.